0: I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question: How can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Dr. Will Tuttle is an award-winning speaker and author, a former Zen monk with a PhD from UC Berkeley. He has worked extensively in intuition development, spiritual healing meditation, vegan living, and cultural evolution. While Will can speak extensively about the spiritual and moral elements of eating a plant-based diet, his philosophy is the opposite of religious dogma. In this conversation, Will explains in very honest terms how our food choices shape the world around us, and vice versa. In his view, practicing mindfulness can help each one of us unravel the social and cultural norms that we unconsciously adopt throughout our lives. What I took away from this interview is the understanding that an enlightened food system starts with an enlightened view of our connections to the planet and animals. You don't have to be a Zen master like Will to understand these ideas. But I highly encourage you to keep listening if you want to change the way you see the world and the food we choose. I'm here with Dr. Will Tuttle. Will, thanks so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Thank you, Neil, and thank you, everyone, for listening in. So I want to start off with um, maybe you can describe your mission.
1: Yeah, you know, when I think of my mission, it's basically two levels. The uh, primary level is uh, my own uh, awakening. Uh, Psychologically, or some, I guess you could say spiritually, to free myself from the delusion of uh, being a fundamentally separate self, locked in a constant struggle to get what I want and keep away what I don't want and so forth. And uh, so that's primary. And then right up there, uh, I guess I would say secondarily, is to try to do the best I can to make a positive uh, difference in the world. And from my point of view, Uh, questioning the cultural food program is a really critical part of that because when I'm eating food, I'm also eating attitudes. And through the research I've been doing, I've realized that the attitudes that I've been eating since I was a little kid when I eat animal-based foods are completely contrary to the main part of my mission, which is to become more conscious and mindful and awake and free and to create a culture of harmony, so that's uh, really basically it—to to have an adventure in this lifetime of discovery.
0: Wow! I'll um. So I'm gonna take it a step back a little bit. What, I know you mentioned. I, I think this really works well with your mission, and uh, hoping we can go down this journey in this conversation. To first start off, it maybe by examining um, the human condition itself and our mind, and to what extent do. Um, concepts and thoughts and knowledge and language shape our outlook to the world and as a result of that how has it shaped our choices Um, and then maybe we can drill deeper into food choices and the reason I want to start at that highest level is because if you look at at the world today we are more divided than we've ever been it Mm -hmm. almost seems that way Um, we seem to have learned nothing from history and uh, we sort of seem doomed to repeat the same mistakes again and again by living in this world of division. Why do you think that's the case? Why, are we, why, are we, why haven't we learned anything?
1: That's a great question. So uh, basically, the, uh, the thing I think that's most important to understand, really, is that all of us are born into a culture that has as its living core herding animals, which is owning other animals as property and using them for food and other products, and that we are wounded by this. Uh, We're wounded psychologically by being raised in a culture where we're not just uh, watching adults eating uh, animal foods, but we're participating in it ourselves. So I think there's a doorway to liberation when we can just understand that, not blame anyone, not criticize anyone, just understand that this is the living core of our society. And then looking more deeply, we see that the attitudes of domination and exploitation of other living beings that we support when we take out our wallets and vote for, for, for that product and we, and we pay other people to do these things, And then go beyond that and actually eat that. So it becomes the cells of the body that I'm using uh, as the vehicle to express myself in the world. And and the cells in my brain and heart and everywhere else are basically built on violation of other living beings' uh, rights and injustice and uh, abuse and terror and fear and pain and misery and so forth. I think we live in a society where we're taught to stay shallow. You know the fundamental message at every meal from the time we're little kids is don't make the connection, don't look deeply, don't feel deeply, don't listen deeply, and so we're we're taught in, a, in the most primal way. You know, anthropologists understand that the primary way any society transmits values from generation to generation is through rituals, and. The main ritual in any society is uh, food or, or meals when people come together and eat. So we're eating a very deep way of, of seeing and understanding our relationship between ourselves and animals and nature and each other and uh, the, the cosmos. And this, uh, I think, really plays out as a capitalist economic system, as competition, as might makes right. Uh, as reductionism, as uh, looking at other living beings, not as beings but as commodities to be used, and then from there looking at uh, other people as commodities, other people as instruments to be used to get what we want, and then looking at our, myself even as a commodity that I have to sell on the market and make a good resume and try to you know sell myself as a product. All of this comes uh, without any... Possibility of it not coming. Essentially, I mean, this is this is inevitable if we're going to be eating animal foods, uh, especially at the massive level that uh, we do today, in, in virtually every society. Uh, the living core is this mentality of commodification and disconnectedness, and might makes right. And then part of that also is privilege and elitism. This basic idea that some beings are inherently superior and others are inherently inferior, and it's fine for the superior beings to to use the inferior beings. And so all of these uh, mentalities are injected into us by people we trust completely and who are very well-meaning, our parents and teachers and doctors and so forth. And so I think if we look deeply into the ancient wisdom traditions of our planet, we see an effort that's been made by other human beings going before us to question this conditioning and to take responsibility ourselves, you know, in other words, for me to take responsibility for the quality of my consciousness and to become more aware and to make connections and to free others. You know, we have these underlying moral principles of not killing and harming and stealing from and abusing and sexually uh, uh, using other living beings and, and uh, other people, but all, all beings we know, anyone who has a dog or a cat knows that these beings are capable of suffering. And so, uh, this is the basic thing, I think, is to just see that the conditioning that we've been all exposed to is not in our best interest if we want to create a world of freedom and harmony and abundance and awareness. And I think the message that um, that you're bringing forth, Nil, with One Green Planet is that we can not only question this programming that we've been born into and that it lives in us. I mean, it's not that you know we live in a culture, but that culture lives in us. Um, but that there's a possibility, this is the great good news, there's a possibility of an alternative. <laughs> you know, we can, we can go now to um, vegan or plant-based restaurants and order food that's, that explicitly is, is based on doing the best we can to minimize violence to others. But I think we have to realize that even if we're living in that way ourselves, say we move to a plant-based way of eating, uh, we still probably have within us a whole mentality that's based on uh, the fundamental foundations of our society, which is separation, might makes right, competition, you know, if I'm right, you're wrong. And so I think what we're really seeing today is um, a maturing of human consciousness, a really a willingness to work with healing uh, our society and heal. And that starts with healing ourselves so that we're embodying what we're talking about here, and that's when I think we begin to do the real work, which is to transform our own consciousness and our relationships with others. So they're based on respect and kindness rather than on uh, my own sense of how other people
0: should be living. So food is part of, a, is a symptom of a much bigger problem. And the way I think of it is we just generally seemed disconnected with uh, our choices and our place in the world. But... You know, food is a great a great starting point for us to examine how we can perhaps be more mindful and more informed and start to question what is presented before us. Um, so from your perspective, I mean, where do you begin to help people make that change in mindset where when they see food or when they think about food, They not only think see what's presented in front of them, whether it's uh, in a package in a grocery store, or something prepared on a plate, and presented on a plate, but they think about the cost associated with the 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 production of that food. And by cost is the direct cost to the animals involved, if there were animals involved in the production of the food, or if you're eating animal foods the cost to the people involved in growing the food, and then, of course, the environmental cost uh, in the transportation and storage of the food. And you can't forget, ultimately, the price you have to pay by consuming foods that perhaps are not good for you. How do we bring about that change, that fundamental paradigm shift in people where they see food for what it is? Or if they don't, they at least know what questions to ask.
1: Thank you, You Neil. I think that's a uh, really important question. And the basic idea, I think, boils down to two fundamental things. The first is uh, the importance uh, and primacy, really, of the individual, that each one of us makes our own choices, and each one of us is responsible for the quality of our lives and the quality of the choices that we're making. So if we look deeply and uh, carefully into how we're living, Uh, we can become more mindful. And if we become more mindful, we can become happier. We can become healthier. And really that's up to us as individuals to make an effort. Uh, And I think that's also the greatest gift we can give not only to ourselves but also to our friends and family and really to to the whole world and to future generations is to make an effort to understand the consequences of our choices, especially when it comes to food because our food choices radiate out in countless directions and affect not only the animals that are used uh, in food uh, but any kind of food we're making the earth uh, and wildlife and hungry people and future generations and so forth the second aspect is community that we are part of a community and basically when we go outside and we see people going into the restaurant and buying meat dairy products and eggs Uh, There's only one reason anyone does that, and that's because of the communities that we're raised in. So we're eating animal foods because of our community. And in my own case, I did that for the first 22 years of my life. I was raised eating animal foods in New England, and so that's what I did. But then I experienced, uh, when I was uh, right out of college, when I was 22, living for a little while in a meditation community. It was actually called The Farm. It was uh, the largest hippie commune in the world back in the 1970s. It was 1975, and there was about 900 people there in this community, and nobody was eating meat. They called themselves vegetarians. Mm-hmm. We would call them vegans, but they were basically uh, just you know eating a plant-based diet, and they were doing it uh, for one reason primarily, which was to reduce world hunger, and also secondarily because of the cruelty to the animals. So I saw that example of this community, and I learned about the reasons. And and I ate together with these people in that community for a few weeks. And so that was it. I've never eaten uh, meat again in my life after that. And about five years later, again, for me, it was through a community. I shaved my head and became a Zen monk. And I was living in a Zen monastery, meditating, you know, 12 hours a day in South South Korea. But I realized I was in a community where people had been eating a plant-based way, uh, in a plant-based way. And also there was no dairy, Uh, uh, meat or eggs or fish but also no wool or silk or leather and it was uh, something they've been doing for about 900 years and so I realized that this is actually an ancient wisdom tradition and so because of my exposure to an alternative community I was able to make a change if I had not had that kind of exposure I would not have been able to and I think what one green planet is is exactly this it's an alternative community based on respect based on questioning the official stories in our society that lead to violence and abuse of animals and each other, and creating a forum for discussion. Uh, and I think a vegan restaurant is the same thing. And I think a vegan meetup group is the same thing. And I think there's many, many ways that we human beings can create communities of sanity. There's a great saying by Krishnamurti. Uh, he said, It is not a good idea to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. I think that's really what it boils down to. Like We all want to be well-adjusted. We want to fit into our community. We want to eat the same food at the, the office or at the church, uh, fish fry or whatever it is. Uh, we don't want to be different. We want to be well-liked. But then we become more mindful and we realize that, my gosh, if I'm eating this, not only is it going to maybe cause cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and, and all kinds of problems internally, but I'm also causing food shortages. i mean we're it's well understood that we're growing enough food to feed everyone on this planet, probably nine or ten billion people. And yet we have roughly a billion people going hungry, and that's because most of the grain we're growing is fed to animals, causing food shortages, which are well understood to be the leading cause of uh, conflict in the world. And then we're causing workers to do work that they you know to stab animals and impregnate animals, and they have the highest rates of worker related injury of drug abuse, suicide, and alcoholism, and so forth. And so I'm causing violence uh, in the families of other people if I'm choosing these foods, hungry people. So it's really a web of trauma that I'm initiating if I'm eating animal foods. It goes out into animals, into wildlife, into ecosystems, rainforest destruction, ocean depletion, water pollution, water depletion. And you know, All these things are well understood to be intimately connected with animal agriculture. And so the idea is to just realize that if I want to be mindful and aware, I can make different choices and the blessings from this or the benefits from this not only radiate out to others, but they come back actually to me. And I can say after 37 years of living in this way, you know, being what what is called a vegan, which to me is just means living as we're intended to naturally. I don't think we should even need to have a word for this, really. I mean, it's just basically nothing exotic. It's just coming home to our own true nature and seeing beings when we see beings, rather than seeing commodities when we see beings, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's liberation. And I can say from my own experience that you know I have, I've not only been able to be free, basically of the of the medical system all these years, and even now in my mid sixties I can probably run faster than I could when in my mid twenties. You know, it's a wonderful thing for health. But I, I found that for mental health, psychological health, spiritual health, cultural health, these are critical dimensions of health and that animal agriculture devastates those even worse, probably, than physical health. That if we want to have a healthy society, if we want to have um, a healthy mind, a healthy spirit, a healthy ethical uh, framework that we're living our lives in, that this is really the key thing, because food is our most intimate connection with nature and with our society, and what we eat becomes us. And so the whole idea here, I think, is to just... See the power that we have as individuals to change and become more mindful, and then also to co-create communities of sanity through our example. And when we when we do that, for the few decades that we have on this planet, I think we've lived our life well. And because we, you know, we only have a few decades here, so what do we do with the time that we have? And I think um, the the good news is we live at a critical time now. We we have to question how we've been living. So we're all up against that awareness, which I think is a great uh, benefit also. Thanks.
0: So the good news though is, as you pointed out, more people are starting to see um, the light and maybe starting to understand the impact that their food choices can make. And I think the good point about that, as you pointed out really well, is that once you start to question your food, when you start to inquire where it came from, what it is, what it consists of, how it's going to impact you, you then automatically start to choose better. And then food, in a way, becomes an um, entry point to seeing much larger connections right. between things beyond food that we typically don't tend to think about. Um, but the thing is we eat multiple times a day, so it's a great entry point to help people really connect with the, um, the fact that there isn't much difference between us uh, and other humans to begin with, and definitely not between us and nature and animals. Um, and then I think it hopefully can bring about a change in people's view of the world and in, in or or their outlook to the world in general. So part of the good news is that now, and we've talked a lot about that on this podcast over multiple episodes, is that we because there is more consumer interests or interest from people. Uh, of better, healthier, cleaner, sustainably sourced foods that are devoid of animal ingredients, you now have this um, new plant-based food industry that is starting to gain traction over the last several years, which is tremendous news. I mean, you've been you've been at mm-hmm. this for thirty-seven years, as you said. Just in the f- past five years, I think we've seen more progress in terms of products in grocery stores to restaurants to uh, books and media and um, content to, you know, just more options out there for a lot more people. So you now have more informed consumers, but you also now have more informed um, producers of food. But the challenge we face, and I think this is starting to become an issue, but it will become an issue increasingly as this industry rises, is how do you produce food in an ethical, tra- transparent way, um, produce food products that are hopefully healthy as well for the end consumers of their products, just because they are plant-based doesn't mean by default mm-hmm. they're good, um, or that there are no environmental implications, or that there are no workers' rights issues. So how do you, what advice would you give? I I I guess my question is, what advice would you give to producers of food, whether they're restaurant owners, um, CEOs of food startups, developing the next big plant-based, whatever it is, what advice would you give to them to find that balance between their purpose and their passion and their interest in providing good food with the realities of running a business and growing it mm-hmm. and being profitable one might assume that by selling more of the food by default you're doing something better because people are eating better food but as you try to be more profitable in this as you pointed out capitalist, um, market driven you know market-based economy free market economy you have to cut corners sometimes. What, how would you, if you were someone who ran a company or were to give advice to someone, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think
1: um, that's a great question. And also, and the, the whole point here, I think, is to try to understand, uh, as I point out actually in the World Peace Diet, the, the fact that when we had the arising of a herding culture 10,000 years ago in what is today Iraq, we had you know four or five main changes that gradually over thousands of years you know, happened in our in the culture that became the culture we're living in today, and one was not only reducing animals to just objects to be used, but also the the rising of a wealthy elite, and the uh, rising of war as a way to increase wealth of that wealthy elite, and the rising of slavery, uh, and domination, exploitation, not only of animals but of other human beings. And so we're born into this system, now has 10,000 years essentially of inertia, and we're born into it, and we can see with the amount of money that we have, the technology we have, and the population we have, if we continue that model, <laughs> uh, we will not have a planet to give to our children. Uh, it's obsolete. So the question is how can we bring what uh, is essentially a completely anti-capitalist, anti-exploitation uh, anti-domination um, and oppression mentality to a system that's rooted in that. And I think, again, we have to go through each doorway uh, that that appears to us in order. So right now we can see the most important thing is to move to a plant-based way of living and to do that as best we can. And so that means transitioning. So I think people who are making foods that are transitional foods, like, um, like meats and, and um, burgers and cheese and so forth that are plant-based, are providing a a great uh, opportunity for people who are eating animal foods to have something that's a substitute. And I think that the whole idea though is to move into a way of living that has a different foundation because basically agriculture, uh, the way it's done today, is based on our society which is based on animal agriculture. So we do animal agriculture, uh, we always have, as, a, as domination and exploitation of other living beings who are resisting. We have to remember that originally, plant agriculture was women's work. It was based on harmony. It was based on caring. It was based on abundance. You plant one seed, you get a thousand seeds, and the tree doesn't charge you per apple. You know, There's this tremendous genera- generosity of nature and the celebration of life and the beauty of life. It's a beautiful thing to go into a, an organic garden and see but to understand that we live in a society today where we do plant agriculture the way we do animal agriculture as a way uh, through using pesticides herbicides fungicides uh, chemical fertilizers to dominate the land to dominate nature to do monocropping and genetic engineering and all these things that are uh, forms of violence They're, they're basically manifestations of animal agriculture so we as vegans we have to realize that that there's a whole adventure here. It's a journey that never ends where we are always being called to become more mindful and more conscious and more in harmony with the way of living and to find out how to do that. So I think for me, for example, uh, it's about creating foods that are as close to nature as possible, as close to a, a community experience as possible. So I, think, I, I really think growing our own food uh, farmers' markets, community markets, community-based agriculture, uh, supporting each other in healthy systems. You know, urban gardening, finding ways to uh, support a, another way of living that's based on the connection that we have with each other and with nature and questioning the industrialization of food and questioning um, the underlying domination and exploitation mindset that is at the core of herding animals it's not going to happen overnight so we have to go through each doorway as it opens up we can see each one of us has a part to play in this i think each one of us is a piece to a big puzzle you know, I can't tell another person what, they, what their peace is. I mean, that's for them to discover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see what my peace is, and, and that's why I think meditation is so important because the whole idea is if we're going to create a culture of, of peace and harmony and abundance, that is the only way we're going to do it, as Gandhi said, is that each one of us is the change that we want to see in the world. If I stand up on the mountaintop and look down at everybody and say, you have to do this and you have to do that and do it this way and do it that way, I'm stealing from them their own adventure, right? I mean, this is something we co-create. So I remember when I was in, in Korea on this monastery and I was meditating every day from three o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night in silence for three months, you know, and, and, and eventually I began to realize and glimpse the, the deep truth that what I am is infinite consciousness that what I am was never born and will never die, and that we are all manifestations of liberated consciousness, and we're functioning through a physical body that has been programmed by a culture that's profoundly out of touch with this basic wisdom. And so once we can just get a glimpse of that and realize that our mind essentially is like the sky, it's free, it's clear, it's open, and realize that the cloud cover that's in our mind is, in a sense, the wounds we've endured being here, but there is a beautiful freedom that actually transcends these clouds. And if we can live our life, I think making an effort to contact every day the freedom that we are and the creativity and joy and love and gratitude that are our true nature and live every day as an expression of that, then... We'll be making a contribution that will naturally inspire others to do the same thing. And through that, we'll begin, we'll be building brick by brick uh, a new structure in our society, new, new ways of living, new, new structures that are based on understanding and compassion and freedom. And we don't have to fight against an obsolete, destructive system. We the whole idea is to build something else. And that's what I see One Green Planet doing. It's just building uh, an alternative, and I think that 's why I love veganism it 's not just a critique of a an obsolete destructive system. we have this alternative, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it 's something that you know I, I used to teach world mythology and, and world mythology all agrees that there was a garden, there was a golden age, there was a time when we were we loved animals and animals loved us and we were in harmony with the earth, and there was abundance and i think and there 's and every and they all every world religion also in myth. Something happened that where we left that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we're cast out in this iron age of, of suffering and violence and so forth. And so to re- remember, if we listen deeply and come home to our own true nature, we can, in our own life, create this. And it's a never-ending adventure. Just because we've gone vegan doesn't mean we're vegan. We have a long we have a long way to go to bring every single interaction, every thought, word, and deed into alignment with what that means which is respect for animals not just other animals but for human animals too that our our movement is about respect and kindness and i think if we create a vegan movement based on individuals awakening not just you know having a formula that we try to push on other people but awakening and living this then we'll have a movement that's unstoppable because we'll be living this and i think that's really the future that's beckoning us and each one of us every day can do something i think to help bring that about
0: Yeah, I often say that an empowered consumer um, leads to an enlightened food industry um, in terms of at least food choices. And when you have those two things happening, and we are at this point, I think, at an early stage to break the cycle that we've been on, where our population has been rising over the years, and so has our technology. Unfortunately, we've wielded technology to cause more destruction than more benefit, but if we as individuals, as you pointed out, wake up to what's really going on and then some of us, not just as consumers, but some of us as producers of food or content or communities or restaurants, whatever it may be, you, um, you start to now see technology as a means to support this larger good that you can do, whether it is, as you said, creating uh, replicas of uh, meat or cheese, or, you know, uh, even finding ways to um, mimic, excuse me, mimic the exact functioning of these um, uh, foods, but recreating them using plants, you've now, as I said, broken that cycle we're on where we just keep expanding, enhancing our technology into this further world of domination and complexity and division and instead are now uh paving the way for a system that can hopefully support uh life on this planet all life including human Mm -hmm. and non-human but you know do you see that really then eventually leading to hopefully a, a greater state of consciousness amongst people who now as have seen the connection with food, have seen how food can be healing. We can craft a food system that can reverse some of the damage that we've caused. And perhaps that then leads to um, a better understanding of many other issues that we seem to be you know, completely divided on, whether it is a religion or a political views that uh, you see still very active and problematic today. Yeah, I think it really comes back to
1: making ourselves as individuals more aware and connecting uh, with our inner wisdom and with nature because uh, food comes from nature. Food is nature. And so I, I we're not going to be able to love and protect nature unless we uh, understand nature. And we're not going to understand nature unless we get out into nature. So I think it's very important for us uh, to create the, the kind of future we want to have uh, that's harmonious, to reconnect with nature, to have our, our agriculture be in harmony with nature, and there's fantastic things being done right now with uh, stock for your veganic gardening it's under and, and, and uh, grain production. I've seen this in England, China, uh, really all over the world, South Africa. People are, can grow more food on less land. We can feed everyone on this planet On a fraction of the land using a fraction of the water and resources we can have habitat for wildlife the whole idea is to use our technology in a way that's life-affirming and that that is connected in harmony with nature and I think when we're eating food of love and and respect we will we will these other problems that we're having will fade
0: away so we started off with your mission Um, if you are successful in the work that you're doing what kind of world do you envision uh, in the year 2050 and I'd like to end with that. I, th- I well,
1: you know, that's a beautiful question, and, and uh, you know, most people, I think, when we ask them, "What's the world going to be like in 2050?" they say, "Oh gosh, you know, it's going to be so terrible." <laughs> you we know, have this feeling like it's bad now; it's getting worse. But really, I I have a positive vision. I think actually, there's a great awakening happening in human consciousness that is, in many ways, invisible. It's not being covered by the mass media, and it's happening because individuals are questioning the official narrative in our society and are working on themselves to embody a consciousness that is harmonious. And I see it a lot in young people. I'm very fortunate. I've been able to travel probably more than anyone uh, all over the world, Asia, uh, South you know, Africa, Europe, South America, bringing the, the vegan message of, of kindness and respect for all beings. And I see Everywhere I go, meetups and restaurants and enormous energy building. And so I think each one of us, if we contribute to uh, the making of this positive future, that the doorway is there. It's open and it's beckoning. And really, there's a, there's only one way there, though. It's to actually live this, actually live it, not uh, want others to live it. I mean, we have to live it ourselves and then lead the way and others will follow because this is our true nature. It's possible and it's beckoning. And I think uh, every day for each one of us has on this planet is a gift. And if we live our that day that we have right now, in some way, do something to help live this idea and to share it with other people, then it will happen. And we can't picture it now, perhaps, but it's beautiful and it's harmonious and it's our true nature because we humans do have a purpose on this earth. Uh, And we're not fulfilling that now. We're damaging. But we have a purpose to uh, bring healing and joy and abundance and be part in a harmonious way of the celebration of life on this beautiful and abundant earth. And I think uh, the day is coming when we will awaken and we will live in this way.
0: Thank you, Dr. Will Tuttle. I really appreciate you being here today and for sharing your insights. Uh, This has been a truly enlightening conversation. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, everyone.
1: And go forth and multiply the message.
0: You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Neil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.